This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. What's up? This is your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello and welcome to Saver. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about pecans. Yes, pecans. Because this is another episode that will include some fun with pronunciation. Mm-hmm. Studies have found there are four distinct pronunciations of pecan. I say pecan. Uh, I say pecan as well. I think where I grew up, it was pecan. Yes. Uh, according to this study, if you're curious, um, 70% of Northeasterners say pecan, while 45% of Southerners do. The preferred Southern pronunciation is pecan. And I know there's a Southern, I, I didn't write it down, but there's like a Southern joke about pecan, a pecan being something truckers use to pee in when they don't have time to stop. <laughs> anyway, uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to say, I'm going to say pecan, because that's how I grew up saying it. I've switched. I'm a convert. You're a convert? I'm a pecan convert. A pecan convert. <laughs> That's fun to say. That's fun to say. Um, and just a note here before we dive in, if you haven't had fresh pecans, they are amazing. My dad's old office used to have this big pecan tree next to it, and they were so good if you got to them before the squirrels did. Because those squirrels. Oh, yeah. You had to fight. You had to fight for it. We are not the only beings that like eating pecans. Not at all. No, 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 no. And I once took an acting job in what I thought was Decatur, Georgia. Which is right next to Atlanta. 
That would have been a very mm-hmm. short commute for me. Mm-hmm. Turns out there's a Decatur, Alabama. <laughs> and so for months, I commuted to Decatur, Alabama every weekend. And uh, it's a very small place. It's pretty. But they do have a lot of fresh pecans. In fact, we filmed inside a fresh pecan store. Like it just had oh, wow, bins yeah. of pecans. Huh. Uh, so I'll put that in the positives column yeah. for that whole fiasco where I should have. <laughs> it taught me an important <laughs> lesson. Always do your research and know where your job is that you're accepting. So that's, that's a good, good, good tip. Thanks. Thanks, Annie. <laughs> it should have been obvious. But, you know, life isn't always obvious. That's true. There are some things about pecans that aren't obvious either, which brings us to our question. (gasps) What are they? Well, Plains Elevated Convection at Night, or Pecan, is a multi-department field project studying nighttime thunderstorms in arid regions of the United States in order to determine what? Uh, I think that's a a front, um, and they're actually... Delving into <laughs> whether or not <laughs> there's an alternate dimension. Oh, well, like, I don't know, Doctor Who or, oh. yeah. Anyway, that this is the end of the food show. <laughs> now we're going to we're gonna devote all of our time to figuring out what they're really up to at P-E-C-A-N. We're on to you. They're <laughs> Eyes on you. Yeah. Um, no, uh, they, they are a department that has a lot of nut-related jokes, which I appreciated about them. But oh, yeah. It was one of the first things that popped up in my Google search. Anyway, the pecan. The is food. The food. <laughs> <laughs> it's another droop. What? Droop power! Droop. Yeah. We tried to pick a true nut, y'all. We really did. We, That's why we chose this one. But as it turns out, we just have a lot to learn about botany. We'll go on this journey together. <laughs> Come along with us, friends. Mm -hmm. So, okay, pecans are the seed of a fruit that grows on trees. Um, The species is called Caria illinoinensis. And the guy who named it that thought that pecans were from Illinois um, because he was studying trees grown from seeds that came from traders from Illinois. Um, He originally placed them in the walnut family. Also, he wasn't entirely well-informed about pecans. And he might have meant to write Illinoensis instead of Illinoinensis, but made a typo. There's a lot of confusion about this botanical name for pecans. But moving on, pecans are big old shade trees, which does not mean that they are giving you side eye. They grow to about 70 to 100 feet tall, that's 20 to 30 meters, and put off A, a lot of shade, but B, uh, clusters of fruits that consist of like a fibrous husk containing a stiff, thin shell containing, in turn, a tasty seed. When the fruit is ripe, the husk turns from green to yellow and peels back in four sections, uh, sort of like those folded paper fortune games, yeah? Oh, I was so good at those. Oh. I'm making them. I oh. mean, there's no real way to be good. <laughs> to at, win them. Unless you cheat. Oh. Not that I would do that. Not that either of us would ever have cheated. At- we should continue. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yes, it, it folds back um, the fruit, revealing the pecan nut, which will be like a grayish light brown, perhaps with some darker streaking. You crack open the shell to remove the nut meat, which generally comes out in two halves, each of which looks like a like a wee toasty little brain. It does. I have thought that. <laughs> and they're kind of crunchy, tender. Um, the flavor of pecans is fatty and sweet and a little roasty, vanilla-y, buttery. Yeah. Also, if you're looking to make cockroach clusters for your next Harry Potter-themed party, 
the cons are very good Yeah, as a cockroach. Oh, I believe you. Just saying. Uh, they are a New World food native to the southern United States and Mexico, growing especially well near the Mississippi River. They are the only major tree nut native to North America. And again, this is something I guess I just live in my own little world. I didn't realize that pecans <laughs> were so specific, specifically southern in a way. I didn't know it. Uh, the word pecan comes from a few related words. The Algonquin word pecan, the Cree word pecan. I'm probably mispronouncing those very much. but um, And they mean nut that needs a stone to crack, which led to the French word pecan and then pecan or pecan, however you pronounce it. The original Algonquin word could refer to other hard nuts like walnuts or hickory nuts. Pecans are in the hickory family, botanists have decided. And another note about that pronunciation, interestingly, the native range of the pecan tree along the western edge of the Mississippi out into Texas does pronounce the word pecan. So, pecan. So we're right, is what I'm saying. (laughs) Case closed. Do not send us your letters. (laughs) We will probably still read them, but we won't be happy about it. (laughs) We'll be pretty happy about it. If they're kind, yeah. 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 Um, (laughs) The trees can live to be 300 years or older, and they're known for being a little finicky as producers. Lots of the trees produce in alternating years, like light crops of good nuts and then heavy crops of poor quality nuts. You need to plant a bunch of them together to help with pollination, and it helps to have different varieties in the same orchard because of, A, that, that alternation thing, and B... Different types of trees will release pollen and develop receptive flowers at different times. So it kind of helps it helps pollinate all of them if you've got that cycle kind of ongoing for longer. Right. Yeah. If you've ever opened a pecan shell and found nothing but dust, that nut has fallen victim to pecan scab, which is a pretty common fungal infection that producers have to work so hard to control. It's it's rough going because pecans love damp weather, uh, but so does the fungus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are lots of varieties or cultivars of pecan trees. The most popular these days might be the desirable. Oh, wow. (laughs) That's like um, like an avatar. (laughs) (laughs) The the element was named unobtainium. I wonder what that could mean. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. um, Others others include the uh, Excel, the Moneymaker, the Stuart, Moreland, Cape Fear, Lakota, Pawnee, McMillan, Sumner. Yeah, I don't know. Cape Fear. Cape Fear. Is that pecan terrifying? I don't know. Wasn't there a horror movie called Cape Fear? It was. It's not very good. Uh, Well, okay. Some people like it. (laughs) Some people like a lot of things. This doesn't mean that it was good. This is true. I like a lot of horror (laughs) movies that I know are not good. (laughs) Perhaps mostly. Perhaps mostly. Yes, I could go into a whole thing about how I think a movie can be good if it isn't trying to be good. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a difference between entertaining and anyway. Okay. Yeah. Um, the wood of pecan trees has a pretty, like, striated grain to it, like dark dark rings through paler wood. So it's used in furniture and decorative building and woodworking, uh, flooring, cabinets, tool handles, stuff like that. And the wood is also used in cooking. Uh, chips of it can be burned both as a fuel or for the smoke which is sort of medium strength on the spectrum of smoke and considered good for pork, beef, and game, but probably is too strong for stuff like chicken and fish. Huh. Cool. Mm-hmm. And the shells are used, too, in stuff like particle board and landscape mulch. <laughs> 
So it's got a lot of uses. Yeah, it's a useful tree all around. It is. But what about the nutrition? Well, they've got a lot going for them. They do. Uh, and they're high in antioxidants, omega-6 fatty acids, high in protein, phosphorus, manganese, magnesium, thiamine, and fiber. A 2001 study found a daily handful of pecans had cholesterol-lowering effects. As always, bodies are complicated. More research is needed. Moderation is always good. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. In general, it's thought that replacing, especially replacing, like, sugary or processed snacks with nuts— or, or adding nuts to meals as part of your protein or fat element in there it is a dietary positive because their combination of protein, fat, and fiber will fill you up and keep you going. Um, they have a few compounds, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants that do good stuff in your body. And the types of fats that they contain are the good fats that might help your body control factors that lead to cardiovascular disease and diabetes. But yes, as Annie said, just like remember that they're a nutrient-dense food. A serving size is about an ounce. That's that's a handful, about 20 halves. So. Yeah. Yeah. You get to snack in when you're watching your football game or whatever it is. You can go through a whole, well, okay, I'm speaking for myself. I don't know. Oh, I can go through a lot more than I intend to. <laughs> yeah. I have to portion my snacks out. Yeah. And only have that much on me because otherwise I'll be like, oops. I guess that's gone. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, some pecan numbers. Mm -hmm. The U.S. produces somewhere between 250 million to 300 million pounds of pecans a year these days, and that is up from about 2.2 million pounds in the 1920s. 80% of the world's pecans do come from the U.S. They're also grown in other temperate climates, including spots in Australia, Brazil, Israel, Peru, and South Africa. Oh, and Mexico, of course. Mm -hmm. One of the reasons pecans aren't really grown in substantial numbers outside of the U.S. is to this day is because of its similarity to the walnut. If you've already got the walnut going for you, why go to the trouble to import pecans? Because they're sweeter. They're a little bit less bitter than walnuts. I, th I think that they're a very different nut and completely worthwhile. I think you should write a book about that, and that should be the title. <laughs> <laughs> I will read it. <laughs> uh, exports from the United States are growing. Um, maybe they're starting to catch on. I don't know. Maybe. Pecans are in all kinds of things here in the United States. Pecan pie is probably one of the most well-known. Mm -hmm. They're particularly big in the South, yeah. Our home state of Georgia is the biggest American producer. Again, I did not know this. All those signs in Tifton. <laughs> How could I miss the signs in Tipton? <laughs> oh my goodness! There are if you if you go down seventy five south there as as you approach and leave Tifton, um, the town of Tifton, Georgia. There are so many billboards that are just like we're nuts about pecans. <laughs> okay, I'll keep an eye out for that next time. I'm sure I passed it. I can't believe me and my pun brain. I can't believe I didn't say oh, I've got to go check this out. <laughs> um, uh, apparently, there is a popular saying among southern uh, pecan pie bakers, southern bakers, um, and about pies, pecan pies and pies in general, uh, that they should be, quote, sweet enough so that the fillings in your teeth hurt. <laughs> I, I disagree. Yeah. Yeah. I disagree, too. I like a mid-sweet dessert. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Can't be cloying. Exactly. Exactly. Um, there is a, of course, a pecan pie enthusiast and researcher, and his name is Edgar Rose. And um, he has sampled many a pecan pie <laughs> and cooked many a pecan pie. I believe he's written a book about it. Um, but he has a whole section on um, 
chopped pecans or whether you should include whole ones or chopped ones when you're making pecan pie. Okay. And he said he used to make them solely with whole pecans because it is more aesthetically pleasing. Oh, sure. Yeah, they're lovely on top of a pie. But he said when he discovered chopped pecans— uh, it was. It clearly created a, quote, superior pie. Pecan halves may look prettier, but they don't get as crisp. And you mustn't use chopped pecans from a package. They're just not fresh enough. In general, always chop your own nuts. Yes. Wisdom. <laughs> Pecan wisdom <laughs> here mm-hmm. on Savor. <laughs> uh, apparently, Americans consume about a third of a pound of pecans per year. And that number has held fairly steady for decades. There's just a certain number of dishes you make every year, mm-hmm. and that's, that's, that's about your pecan. It. <laughs> that's the level of pecans you need. It goes up to as much as about two-thirds of a pound per year in some years, but those are like outliers. Mm. This research is great. Oh, there's a lot of research out there about it. Yeah. And uh, for for my family, and I would assume a lot of families, we use a lot of pecans around the holidays in the sweet potato souffle, the stuffing, and in our ambrosia. And... We do use um, frozen. My mom freezes pecans. She buy, does she buy them like whole, like like shell, like in the shell? She she buys them um, already their halves. Okay. And it's one of my least favorite things, <laughs> is because I. In fact, I'm about to go do this because as we record this, Thanksgiving is tomorrow, and after this, I'm leaving to go prepare. But I have to get the pecans out of the freezer, and. Um, Break them up oh, into sure. small pieces, yeah. and they're so cold. My poor little hands. You could. They have food processors. Oh, my family's so cheap, including <laughs> me. I'm. I'm. <laughs> I'm also cheap. <laughs> I'm like, what could be done about this? Also, Here's a food processor, but not that. <laughs> <laughs> they also make knives. I mean, I'm sure you guys use knives. You could chop. We them. don't use knives, Lauren. <laughs> We're a no knife family. Actually. <laughs> Funny story. <laughs> we only use butter knives because my mom, I was so I was so clumsy as a kid, she outlawed. Oh my goodness. So like I I, I would still? have friends over and we would have like my my family used to be like, let's have steak if you're having friends over. And we would use butter knives and my friends would be like, How are we? Why and what? Just takes yeah. forever. <laughs> <laughs> so Okay. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to unpack there, yeah. I'm starting to figure out why some of your recipes don't go as well as you want them to. I don't know <laughs> what you mean. I don't know what it could be. Oh, we need we need like a cooking camp. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, and, and to be fair, pecans do come to maturation and are harvested in general around like September, October. So that explains why they kind of became a big part of a lot of these holiday dishes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they do freeze pretty well if you're going to freeze them. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If you're going to hang on to nuts for more than a few weeks, uh, freezing them is a really good option because they're full of oils that can go rancid at room temperature. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it happened to us one Thanksgiving. Oh, oh, nobody wants a rancid nut. No. No, 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 no. More pecan <laughs> wisdom. And we've got more pecan history coming for you. But first, we've got a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. 
So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. I just want to say here that there is a whole theory out there yeah. that nuts, which pecans technically aren't, but in general, the kind, this kind of thing, sure. improved the intelligence of our ancestors because of the precision that you had to, like, coming up with a tool or a way to crack it open oh. to get to it. Oh, that makes so much sense. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. Yes, but we can't, as much as we would like, just to pick apart that theory. Today, we're talking specifically about pecans. Right. Right. So what about pecans? What about them? They were a staple in the diets of Native Americans, especially during the winter months. Native American tribes as far north as Iowa and Illinois were growing pecans, and they were easier to shell than other North American nut species. Mm -hmm. And Native Americans, perhaps the Powhatan, fermented them to make an alcoholic drink called paukohikra or paukohikari. And this is where the word hickory comes from. Mm Mm-hmm. Pecans were ground into meal sometimes and used in all kinds of things, um, like as a coating for bison or um, with fruit. Traders also used pecans to barter with, and fur traders brought them all the way to the eastern seaboard. And this paved the way for George Washington to become a pretty big fan. He allegedly carried them in his pockets for a snack. He is like the little... He's the precursor for the little pecan packets. Oh, <laughs> snack yeah. packets. Thomas Jefferson, of course, he he planted them at Monticello. And supposedly Jefferson gave some trees or, or some seeds to Washington to plant at Mount Vernon. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Some archaeological evidence suggests that due to the country's sort of finicky nature that we talked about in the in the top of the show, Native Americans might have moved around to find pecan trees that were producing pecans, possibly even up to 120 kilometers or about 75 miles. Some estimate that the kilocalorie value of the pecan harvest could equate to about 150,000 bison. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty serious. Yeah. And I mean, it's a it's a convenient thing. It's a, it's in this relatively easy to carry shell. It's yeah. self, self-preserved. self mm-hmm. It's its own little Tupperware container. Yeah. You know? Oh, I hadn't thought of it like yeah. that. It's calorically <laughs> dense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When the French and Spanish colonists arrived to the New World, they started cultivating their own pecans. New Orleans... A seaport in the dead center of the pecan-growing territory became a big player in the blossoming pecan industry by the 19th century. Around this time, grafted pecan trees were a popular option in Louisiana to to grow pecans. Mm -hmm. Lenny Wells credits a Louisianan and slave known only as Antoine for, for some of this I want to say technology. Innovation around yeah. grafting uh, pecan pecan trees to more successfully grow pecans. Um, because the history around him is scarce. Antoine, yeah. Yes, around Antoine. Um, but he, he is the first to figure out how to propagate pecan trees, to replicate desirable traits necessary for a successful commercial product. Um, this had long dogged pecan producers. Oh, no, I said pecan! <gasps> Annie. Oh my gosh. Do you think this is related to Basil? To your I'm afraid. (laughs) What have I become? You are (laughs) my empire of dirt. (laughs) Um, Okay. Okay. Uh, yes, this had been a problem for pecan producers (laughs) along the Mississippi River. Um, they'd plant acres of pecan trees and get quite the range of pecans. They would who knows. Right, right. Taste, size, all kinds of variables. Sure. But let's step back a bit to the French. Okay. Botanist and explorer Andre Michaud studied wild pecans eaten by a Native American tribe in Illinois in 1819. And Michaud was convinced that the pecan had a bright, profitable future. Hmm. He thought pecans would grow more quickly if they were grafted onto black walnut trees, which were falsely thought to grow more quickly than pecan trees. Mm -hmm. And this whole thing, his experiment, was largely a failure. But the idea of merging two plants to improve pecan growth did have merit. It had worked before with apples and with peaches. Dr. Abner Landrum experimented with grafting pecans in 1822, South Carolina, and it kind of worked, but not enough to be called a true success. Which brings us back to New Orleans and Louisiana at large, where figuring out a viable commercial option for pecans was a big deal. It specifically brings us to what was once called Bon Séjour, a.k.a. Oak Valley Plantation, and pecan lover Dr. A.E. Collum. He tried and failed grafting pecan trees, so he sought out Oak Valley, where he'd heard there was a talented gardener there. This talented gardener was 38-year-old slave Antoine. Antoine went on to successfully graft 126 trees. A lot of these trees were destroyed post-Civil War to make way for sugarcane, but the new owners saved enough of them, the new owners of the plantation, saved enough of them to show off the pecans they produced at the 1876 Centennial Exhibition in Philadelphia. Antoine's trees came to be known as Centennials. Oh. Yeah. 
After the end of the Civil War, commercial pecan developers planted some pecan varieties, marking the start of Georgia's pecan industry. The state solidified its lead in that industry by the 1950s. The first recorded printed recipes using pecans started appearing in Texan cookbooks um, around the 1870s and 80s, including an 1898 recipe for a St. Louis charity cookbook submitted by a Texan woman for something closely resembling modern pecan pie. And pecans were being put in pies prior to that. A recipe appeared in Harper's Bazaar in 1886 for a custard pie with pecans added in that you would boil in milk to to soften the nuts up. And the article said this pie is not only delicious, but is capable of being made a real state pie. (laughs) I love that. Um, uh, I love that to this day, if you read the reviews on a website like allrecipes.com, I guarantee in the first five, someone's going to say, I won the state fair with this pie. Yes. I love that. Mm-hmm. It makes me so happy. It just, I don't know. Still going. Yeah. Still going. Traditions that connect us. That's right. And this does bring us to the pecan pie. But first, it brings us to one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this, I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And, okay, so the pecan pie. Yes. First, I want to give you a quick what is it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but just in case you've, you've never had one or seen one, because I don't think that I had one until I moved from the north to South Florida, which South Florida isn't really the south. It's more like a northern outpost. But still, yeah. Um, so pecan pie, pecan pie. 
is a dish that can be made in a number of ways, but generally consists of a single pie crust uh, on the bottom, and that crust contains a sort of a sort of sweet goo, a sort of uh, yeah. sweet molassesy, rich, kind of like custardy, almost custardy because it it does have some butter in it, but it's not creamy. It's not a yeah. It's not a cream based custard thing. But if you could take the cream out of custard and just imagine, sort of like a jelly. Yeah. Um. Yeah. yeah sort sort of <laughs> molasses jelly, mm. and then that's topped with a layer of pecans. Um. That usually the the that top crust that forms as you bake it usually gets a little bit like like crackly, crinkly, chewy. Mm-hmm. Um. And oh, it's nutty and overly sweet. Um. And and rich. And roasty. It's very good. It is. You can put chocolate in there. You can put bourbon in there. We did talk about it some in our Kentucky episodes. We did. Yeah. It is a very popular um, pie around the holidays here in the United States. And as I've spoken about before, I believe in our Thanksgiving episode, I make the dessert in my family. And it's usually pie because I love pie. But um, I actually hadn't had pecan pie until um, I was in college. Oh, wow. Uh, and my roommate, when she heard about that, oh, hey, again, Katie. She was like, <laughs> we've got to get pecan pie now. And we went on this whole journey to find <laughs> pecan pie. Um, and I added pecan pie into the pie rotation one Thanksgiving. And it was one of my greatest backfires of all time because it was great. And now that's all anyone wants. Oh. And I want to experiment with other things. But everyone's all like, oh, Don't you typecast me. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, it's kind of a it's it's one of our lesser points of contention around <laughs> food, but it is a point of contention. Like, remember when you made a pecan pie and you haven't ever made it since? Like, yeah, I want to try new things. What about pumpkin pie? I should use that as a negotiating Ooh, tactic. Oh goodness. Anyway, okay. That's, <laughs> that's that's like the pie version of a nuclear option. <laughs> okay. All right. Well uh, yes. Be safe, but okay. Thank you. I'll, I'll try my best. But, okay, yeah, pecan pie, if you haven't had it or if you haven't made it, it usually calls for a certain type of syrup. And that's because in 1902, um, which is when the Caro pecan pie uh, was, it sort of came onto the scene, although very Mm -hmm. low-key-like. And Caro is the company that makes Caro corn syrup. And they introduced this recipe for pecan pie to help sales of their newly, widely available product. And the recipe didn't really start to take off until the 1920s when it was more widely printed Uh (laughs) and it was easier to find. And since, like you said, pecans are largely harvested in September, and in this country we had a surplus of them around that time, pecan pie did join pumpkin as a regular in the Thanksgiving lineup. Pretty soon after, like, the recipe in the 1920s, mm-hmm. people were like, yes, this one. Huh. Yeah. And the, the, the corn syrup was a, was a good addition to the recipe because it helps stabilize that sugar base that you're working with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We'll have to do a whole episode on corn syrup at some point. It's great. Well, yeah, we will. But um, Edgar Rose, who I mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. Um, he actually, I, I believe he said that the best one doesn't have Corn syrup? Ooh. Yeah. I hope I'm not misquoting you there. Uh, but so you can make it without corn syrup in either case. Oh, yeah. Um, according to him, the first true pecan pie recipe, as in the ingredients we typically associate with pecan pie today, and not it, it originally had things like raisins um, or coconut, things people were coupling with pecans uh, in pie form previously. 
This, like, true pecan pie recipe was first printed in 1925's Tested Southern Recipes. Ah. And of note, uh, 1920s is also when pecan processing was developed and refined, so there were more pecans. Yeah. Cheaper. Sure, yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, you, you can definitely make it without corn syrup. Um, uh, and certainly, originally, people would have been using homemade simple syrup or something like that. But mm-hmm. anyway, meanwhile, another pecan dessert had also emerged, pecan pralines. <gasps> And Another fun with pronunciation. <laughs> oh, it's because I just said pralines. You did. How would you say it? Pralines. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Goodness. Okay. These hailed, however you pronounce them, <laughs> from New Orleans. Um, again, where uh, where French praline or praling, and actually your pronunciation makes much more sense here. Prawl. I'm sorry. Say it one more time. Pralines. 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 Prawling. Goodness. Where French uh, praline or praling candies had been on the scene since 1715 at least. Um, Originally, these—I can't do it. Originally, these pralines meant um, almonds coated in caramelized grained sugar. Back in France, whole episode we could do about that. But those almond desserts made their way to New Orleans, or almond candies made their way to New Orleans, where eventually the modern version with pecans coated in caramel— developed. Oh and, my gosh. And were popularized by black women working as street vendors. I love it. Caramel. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so much fun with pronunciation. <laughs> Caramel. Um, yeah. Uh, I I also love that New Orleans came up twice in this episode about pecans. It's a pecan-heavy, pecan-heavy place. It is. Yeah. It um, is. And we we just visited there. Yes. And yeah, maybe maybe we should do a whole episode Upcoming about pralines and yeah. pecan pie. Oh, definitely. Um, there, there's so much scientific essays out there about um, pie in general, but pecan pie. Yeah, and why it's gooey. Yeah. Um, so for sure, we could return and and do an episode on that. And uh, I know that now I want. I want one, but I don't want to make one because then I'll give in to my family's wishes. And who wants to do that around Thanksgiving? <laughs> who? <laughs> As of yesterday, there was like two-thirds of a pecan pie in the fridge at work. I know. And I don't know whose it is. I know. If it's, it's haunting the me. the people's pie. Mm-hmm. People should label things. They should, but... Um, Apparently, there's been some mislabeling happening. Oh. I found out about this yesterday, and it spurred a, a probably seven-minute conversation about the labeling of things in the fridge. That was very funny and well. Uh, it was good humor. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I love the politics of, uh, <laughs> of the- office fridges in general. <laughs> I love it. Yes. Uh, yes, but this is uh, our episode on pecans. It is. It is. Um if you've got the chance and you haven't had some good pecans, go find some. Yeah. 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 If they're if it's an option for you, then it's a highly recommended thing to do, I would say. Absolutely. I agree. Yes. And this brings us to listener mail. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure what that gesture was. It was, was it? popping the pie out of the oven. Oh, okay. <laughs> I need to work on my, um, what is that, mime game? Yeah. No, what's it called, an improv, when you're object work? Yeah, yeah. I, I was I, I was looking at it going, like, are you are you bumping someone with your shopping cart? 
Oh, I mean, that happens too around this time of year. Absolutely. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) Sarah wrote, listening to your most recent podcast, I heard you mention right at the beginning something about Halloween not being a good feasting holiday. Please allow me to illuminate you the possibilities outside the realm of cavities. (laughs) Every October, one of my favorite traditions is making my annual dinner in a pumpkin. What? It is a fantastic fall harvest meal that I like to share with my family or friends that can be there. You start with the prettiest pumpkin you can find that will fit in the oven, (laughs) fill it with rice pilaf and chicken apple sausage, then bake it for an hour and a half or so. Oh, and don't forget to add some of your favorite fall spices. I like to use cinnamon, nutmeg, a hint of clove, and maybe a pinch of ginger. To me, this is a crucial detail that sets this apart from every other stuffed something or other meal. (laughs) After all, how many savory foods these days contain those flavors? And they go so well with pumpkin. When it's all done, you have a beautiful, tasty, and aromatic dinner. Seriously, your kitchen will smell amazing. To serve, use a big spoon or scoop to scrape out the pilaf, sausage, and the now-cooked and delicious pumpkin. And she included pictures and a more formal recipe, uh, and it that sounds amazing, and I want to do it immediately. I've only—I've used— those smaller, like, sugar pie pumpkins, mm-hmm. and I've made something in there, um, and it was wonderful. And Ooh. I think we talked about in our pumpkin episode that this was kind of the original pumpkin pie, was they just cooked stuff in the pumpkin. Yeah, they would just fill the pumpkin with custard and bake it. Mm-hmm. Oh, which, oh, I still want to, oh, that reminds me, I still want to do one of those. We have a lot of pumpkin recipes to yeah. try. Uh, yeah, so thank you so much for that, Sarah. I probably am going to adopt that next October. Yeah, thank you. Holly wrote, As I listened to your recent episode on mayonnaise while driving to work, it occurred to me that y'all might not be aware of the phenomenon known as mayo rage. The official definition is mayo rage, noun, a feeling of intense, irrational anger felt by a person when a restaurant puts mayo on that person's sandwich after being instructed multiple times not to bring mayonnaise within a five-foot radius of where the sandwich is being prepared. Last year, I told the slouchy, teenaged cashier at an Arby's three separate times that I wanted my barbecue brisket with no Mayo. (laughs) I made him show me that he'd entered it correctly into the register. When I unwrapped my sandwich, you guessed it, mayo oozed out the side and onto my hands. There must have been half a jar on there. I became so enraged that I stormed up through the lines, steam rising from my head. It confronted the cashier. When he informed me that he didn't make that sandwich, I threw it past him into the cooking area. The foil came unwrapped, crispy onion straws flew through the air, and a giant blob of mayonnaise landed on the pickup counter. In my defense, I was post-Mardi Gras hangry and calmed down once the manager brought out a new mayo-free sandwich. But this level of rage is now referred to by my family as mayonnaise-throwing mad. I am not the only one I know to experience this level of mayo rage. My friend had a similar experience in a Hardee's drive-thru. He opened his sandwich to make sure it was mayo-free before driving off. When he discovered it dripping with mayo, he slammed the whole thing onto the sliding drive-thru window of the restaurant and drove away with both halves of the bun slowly sliding down the window, leaving a sad trail of mayonnaise. That is quite the image. (laughs) That is quite the image. I feel like that should be painted. It should be some <laughs> modern art. <laughs> we need a T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Maya Rage with the definition. With the, yeah, or, or or that image of of the two halves of the bun. Just yeah. oh man. I feel like it's communicating something very deeply. It is my soul. It is. Uh, we have we have T-shirts, y'all, in a T-shirt store on the internet. It's tpublic.com/saver. 
Yeah. Some of some of these ideas that we mentioned really do happen. Oh yeah. There's a team of people whose job it is to entertain these ideas from us. Yeah. I feel so bad for them. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay. <laughs> I want if you could do like David Bowie meets this and they they do it. And they do it and it looks beautiful. So, yeah, I don't know if you're looking for if you're looking for holiday presents or something, check that out. Yeah. Every, all of your purchases support us. I'm saying this selfishly, but I also genuinely like some of the stuff that they've done. Yeah, yeah. Herb your enthusiasm. Oh, oh man. my goodness. They've got a heckin' bacteria poop barrel. It's good. It's good. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Yes. Um, thanks to both of them for writing in. If yes. you would like to write to us, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod. We do hope to hear from you. Thank you, as always, to our super producer, Dylan Fagan, who had to cut a lot out of this episode. We were so loopy. (laughs) Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next-day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com, that's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.